When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's make this simple. And uh, in case I don't see you again, I'd just like to say so long. Mr. Grant. I treasure you people. We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Brady Bros. Hello, this is Eric Braden. You're listening to TV Confidential. (laughs) Ed Robertson, welcoming you to a special edition of TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that this week will be a radio talk show about Ed Asner. Ed Asner, the actor known to three generations around the world for his portrayals of Carl Fredrickson and Up Santa Claus in several films, including most notably Elf, his Emmy Award-winning performances in the classic miniseries Roots and Rich Man, Poor Man, and, of course, his signature role as newsman Lou Grant on both the Mary Tyler Moore Show and, later, his own show, Lou Grant, and a character for which Ed Asner won an additional five Emmy Awards. Ed Asner passed away this past Sunday, August 29th, at the age of 91. Besides being a brilliant actor who could play any role, large and small, comedic or dramatic with depth and aplomb, Ed Asner was a multifaceted, well-informed human being who was known for his tireless activism, particularly when he was president of the Screen Actors Guild, his desire to make a difference in the world and to always do the right thing, even at great personal cost, his generous spirit, and his marvelous sense of humor. We will devote our entire program this week to Ed Asner. We'll include tributes from friends and colleagues who knew him and who worked with them and who will share insight into who Ed was as a person, including Susan Silver, one of the original writers of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Ed Weinberger, writer-producer of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and Ed Asner's collaborator on three other projects over the past 10 years, including a new play that Ed Asner was rehearsing for two days before he died. We'll also hear from Matthew Asner, Ed's eldest son, plus we'll play highlights from two of our conversations with Ed Asner on TV Confidential, plus a few other surprises. We invite you to sit back and enjoy. 
As we usually do, we'll begin our program with our friends Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen. Normally, Tony and Donna bring us This Week in TV History, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble, which has been virtual for much of the past year or so, but which I understand is gradually becoming non-virtual. <laughs> real again well, in person we again hoping, we are hoping at the time of this recording to do our first live show so stay tuned <laughs> okay but in the event that gets pushed back you are still planning on doing we're, we're, we're living on zoom <laughs> living on zoom and youtube.com forward slash story salon is where people can find the uh, previous virtual episodes correct Correct. We, we've talked about this before. When uh, when we reach a certain age, that means that the people who we all grew up watching on television during our formative years are that much older, and time stops for no one, and it did not stop for Ed Asner, but this one... This one means a little more to me, and I believe it means a little more to the both of you because he created, Ed Asner, he created many great moments for this program, partly because we were lucky enough to visit with him several times, including a very memorable hour that the three of us shared together last year. Yeah. I mean, if you have a chance to talk to a guy like Ed Asner, you take advantage of that opportunity. And he was amazing and very generous with his stories, his anecdotes. Yeah, he essentially, he seemed like he was more eager to talk about Mary Tyler Moore than his own show. But you bring up somebody and then you got another 15 minutes of material on that individual. I remember, I think he talked in length about Floris Leachman in the last conversation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and just, you know, the, the side of Floris Leachman you probably didn't know about, you yeah. know, or just when they would do the promos and how she was quite amusing, let's just put it that way. Yes. And uh, and how she prompted him to lose weight and gave him incentive to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Ed talks about that on the hour that uh, he did with Tony, Donna, and myself, which is available on demand on the TV Confidential podcast. He also talks about it in his wonderful memoir, Son of a Junk Man, which you can find uh, wherever books are sold. And he's thought of as a dramatic actor. He was certainly thought of mostly as a dramatic actor on television before he did marry Tyler Moore. But he'd always done a lot of comedy prior to doing movies and television in the 1960s. And if you have a chance to talk to him, formally or informally, his sense of humor comes through. He was a very funny guy. Yes. I worked at a radio event, and uh, it was kind of like speed dating. You would take a celebrity from table to table five minutes move to the next table. So you would talk to the morning maniacs from a, a New York station. And then you would talk to, you know, the morning maniacs from a, you know, Kansas city station. And then another table, it's the morning maniacs from the Toronto station. And 
you would bring in, uh, especially these the radio people. So if you brought a musician, it was amazing. If you brought the star of a TV show, they might have had no clue who this person was. Ed Asner was definitely the exception. I mean, they, they knew who this guy was. Uh, what they probably weren't aware is that his comedic talents were so sharp. And so you put him at a table across these morning maniacs who, you know, are full of sophomoric humor. And, and many of them very young. Yeah. Young. And he's going toe to toe with these guys. You know, whatever little bit or shtick they're doing, he can go with the flow of, that, of whatever bit they're doing and then just have the last word one up these guys i mean he was never exhausted i worked the same event he not only was respectful of all of these people doing their job the people had a great respect and almost reverence for him i mean and that's something that is not just given that is something that is earned over the course of time very short antidote I was in awe of this man. I, I, I was hoping I would get to walk him around that day. I did not. <laughs> and I'm standing. He is standing off to the side of a venue waiting to do his next five minutes. And I'm staring at him. I don't realize I'm staring at him. But all of a sudden he looks at me and I realize, oh, my God, I'm staring at him and I have been caught. And he smiled at me and I said, Mr. Asner, I've always wanted to meet you. And he smiled and he said, well, get over here. <laughs> and he extended his hand. He said, what is your name? I said, I'm Donna. He said, well, Donna, I am Ed Asner. It is very nice to meet. I'm Melton. <laughs> and I just, it's one of my favorite memories of any celebrity ever. I hardly get tongue-tied. I was. I was. And it's just, that was just him. Tony and Donna are with us uh, sharing a few thoughts, a few anecdotes of Ed Asner, Ed Asner television icon, eight-time Emmy Award-winning actor. Ed Asner passed away this past Sunday, August 29th at the age of 91. This is something that comes together organically when you're fortunate enough to talk to someone more than once as we have been. When, when you talk to Ed for an interview situation, you would normally start with a blustery answer because he, was, he would get the comic effect and you would laugh. And then yeah. he would take it down and he would give you a, a serious, thoughtful answer. And again, this speaks to who Ed was as a person, at least the Ed we got to know through this platform. This was a couple of years ago. We're discussing what we're discussing, and I think we're discussing either A Man and His Prostate or God Help Us, which were two, which were two of the stage plays that Ed was working on the last few years. And I mentioned that he's an eight-time Emmy Award winner. And at one point on the air, he corrected me. He said, well, one of them is from Canada. Oh, wow. And I said, but it's still an Emmy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you look at the old bits and seven. They all say seven time Emmy Award winner. He actually won eight. No, when you talk to Ed Asner, you get the Ed Asner response that you would expect because the guy had a brand. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that brand was greatly influenced by Lou Grant, maybe more so Mary Richards Lou Grant. So he he knows 
when he's in an interview, he knows how to respond to the questions. And I think yeah. the public expected that gruff persona, but he was so yeah. much more than that. He was a lot more than that. And if he would play with you, if he would give you a hard time, that was his way of saying he was enjoying himself. He was enjoying talking to you. He wouldn't do that unless that were happening. But you're talking about the reverence he was treated at that media event that you both worked some years before. I don't remember the timeline, but if I remember correctly, I think it was around the time he did Up, which yes. there aren't too many actors whose fan base spans three different generations. Mm-hmm. Ed Asner was one of them, and he won a whole new following because of Up. And he he had done animation prior. He was the voice of J. Jonah Jameson in one incarnation of Spider-Man. That's too, right. Which is kind of appropriate. Yeah. But to let children discover this man. Yeah. yeah. I like Up as a movie for the same reason I like every other movie I've seen from Pixar. Pixar does not know how to make a bad movie. But my elevator speech for Up is Ed Asner, action hero. (laughs) And I don't know whether they pitched it to him like that, but that's essentially who Carl Fredrickson is. And again, it's you don't imagine Ed Asner in his eights or in his sevens or eights at the time in an action hero world, but in the beauty of animation. He brought that, and it was, it, it's just a great, and he you, he had a lot of fun, and as he talks about in Son of a Junk Man, it was meaningful to him, because not only did it win him a new audience, it opened the doors for him professionally, because it was his first big role in about 15 years after working through the fallout of um, specifically the El Salvador controversy fallout which led to the premature ending of Lou Grant but again he was he always had the courage of his convictions even when it cost him and even though he continued to work he did not have the sort of offers he was getting prior to El Salvador so he was very appreciative for the new life up breathed into his career and as we'll find out later in the program when we speak to Ed's son Matthew Asner The experience of Up had a profound effect on Ed Asner's personal life as well. And it was different. It was different because after Lou Grant, he did have a couple of sitcoms. And a show I thought was excellent, uh, The Bronx Zoo, Mm -hmm. where he was the principal of high school in the Bronx. But he had, um, what was it, Off the Rack with uh, Irene Brennan. Mm -hmm. And he had a couple other things that just kind of came and went, you know, which was... You know, wonderful vehicle for uh, Ed Asner, but just how television goes. But especially Bronx Zoo. Yeah, I mean, such a great vehicle for. And I wish that, I wish that show had had a little more longevity because uh, there was some good stuff there. But yeah, it was it's kind of like a reinvention. But you know, now that you're mentioning, it kind of reminds me when we lost Robin Williams, and you look at somebody's Facebook uh, posts. Everybody posted something. And so for some people, it was a picture of Mork. And some people, it was a picture of the genie. And some people, it was a picture of Mrs. Doubtfire. So, you know, depending on your time, however Robin Williams first made a connection to you, and we're seeing that with Ed Asner now. So you see pictures of Lou Grant. You see pictures uh, from Up. You see, I'm waiting to see a picture of Santa Claus. Yes. Ed was very proud of his portrayal of Santa Claus and, and what it contributes to the other actors who... It was. He is my favorite gave my favorite interpretation of Santa Claus on screen. 
Yeah, live action. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, if Santa Claus is a real person, I think he's just like Lou Grant. <laughs> I think he's just like Ed Asner. And yeah. when we said that to him, he felt like Edmund Wynn was better. <laughs> it was Edmund Wynn may have been better, but his character did not have what I brought to the characters. And that and, and I, I made mine singular in that. Yeah. Way. And and I do think I mean Maybe uh, this Christmas I'll watch uh, both movies back to back because I do think they coalesce a little bit. I mean, they're both movies where New York City is a star of these movies. So you have Santa Claus, you have the people who believe, the people who don't believe, what have you. But what really makes these movies special also is the backdrop of New York City. True. And uh, Macy's in one and Gimbel's in the other. Uh, but uh, which actually shot Interesting it. short. Interesting choice. Yes. And, and I kind of get that. Gimbals did not really exist anymore when Elf was sh- uh, shooting, you know. So, and the uh, the interiors were actually, I think, like the eighth floor of Macy's. But I can see why Macy's is going. Uh, yeah, we don't want to have these people, you know, depict Macy's as a place where you're going to have disgruntled employees terminated for this type of behavior. So it's like, okay, we'll use a defunct store, and 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 that will work. But I, I think they kind of match up perfectly, actually. Just the little reality and the fantasy. But uh, yeah, it, he was he was so good as Santa Claus, and a Santa Claus who had flaws and was suffering from fatigue. <laughs> a Santa Claus that was very human. I think that's yeah. I think that's why I love the portrayal so much. New York was the star of Up. Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, in many respects, was the star or certainly a well-used supporting player of Lou Grant, at least Los Angeles. The, the, the culture of Los Angeles in the 70s was very much yes. a character on that show. And what's cool about Lou Grant, I know in one of our conversations, Tony, you talked about there was a time when you would binge watch Lou Grant while you were working out at the gym. Yeah, I watched all of Lou Grant uh, at the gym. Yeah, and I revisited at least the first two seasons, and that show holds up. Yes. You know, for almost 50 years later. It's still very, I mean, it nothing dates that show. It's very, it's, and the topics they discuss could still be going on today. Ed, remind me, how long was Lou Grant on the air? Five years. Okay, which is, respectable and i wish i wish it could have continued continued and especially you have a love of the rockford files and how important the city of los angeles is in that show i saw the potential also having a respectable run but then uh, an opportunity to revisit to see how uh lou grant would have progressed i'm we're assuming lou grant would have retired from the trip also would the trip be around today yeah well, yeah, Lou Grant, we saw him on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Rhoda, Lou Grant, Roseanne, just bring a character over four shows as the same, I mean, the same character. That's incredible for an actor. Yeah, and he did, he was one of the actors that MeTV recruited in the 2010s to do 30-second, 60-second promos, Watch Me on Me. And he did it yeah. as the league character. character. Yeah. yeah. And that was fun. Yeah, it was fun that MeTV is able to play around with stuff like that and, and, and show the character. And MeTV is going to be doing a, a tribute uh, of Mary Tyler Moore episodes. Oh. 
but since we're talking about Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore, I had uh, MSNBC on when Mary Tyler Moore's death was announced. And that particular day, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was in a newsroom situation, television newsroom, where everything just kind of stopped and everybody involved had to take a moment. And you had all the female correspondents have to say something. Basically saying, I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for Mary Tyler Moore playing Mary Richards. I think only because at the time that uh, Ed Asner's death was announced, there is so much stuff going on. There is so much stuff going on in the country and in the world that they would try to get something in before the bottom of the hour. So uh, otherwise, I think um, journalists, both broadcast and print, would be having something a little bit more more to say. Yeah, if it's, the timing wasn't so. It's comparable uh, to well, it, in a way, the news of Don Wells passing experienced the same thing because she passed the day before New Year's Eve, which is a slow news week anyway, and a lot of. The people who would normally be at the anchor desk were not at the anchor desk, and um, programs that normally would be doing new content were doing best of content, and so it's an unfortunate thing of the I calendar. When Bob Denver died, it was during Hurricane Katrina, so yeah. there was no coverage of that yeah. at all. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You brought up that I was watching all the Lou Grants in the gym. While I was in the process of doing that, I met an L.A. Times reporter, Pat Sorensen, who has uh-huh. been with the L.A. Times forever. I think she was at the L.A. Times before I learned how to read. Uh, so she was she was there forever and ever and ever. And I had mentioned Lou Grant. And she said, oh, where, did you wa- where are you watching it? I love that show. And she would tell me that in the 70s, when she was at the Los Angeles Times... Uh, that was appointment viewing, you know, and this is a time, you know, you didn't even have VCRs yet. I think Lou, uh, Lou Grant was off the air by the time, you know, people could afford VCRs in their home. And that was appointment viewing and they would watch the show. Sometimes they'd be watching it in the newsroom and then they're watching and everyone's looking to each other. It's like, who told? It was just, they could not believe the conversations that the characters were having in the newsroom because they're the same conversations that they were really having in their newsroom. And what was great about Lou Grant and how a typical episode would play out, it portrayed the importance of a local newspaper at a time when local newspapers were still one of the primary sources of information, if not the primary source of information for most most families at the time. It was was at a time when uh, not only were newspapers still the primary source, it was a time when most cities would have more than one paper, and both of those papers would publish more than one edition. If they would publish an early edition and a late edition, uh, I don't know if I told this story on the air. When I got to be a certain age, my dad would say, okay, he'd give me a quarter or however much it cost. And he said, oh, I want you to get the evening paper. And he was very specific. I want the five-star late edition. I don't want the early edition. You know, <laughs> so, 
because yeah. and there are many occasions in the course of the, uh, the the adventures of the LA Tribune where they would stop the presses and update yes the early the, the early edition to do a new story for the late edition stop the presses that was a real thing that was a real thing yeah and you know, oh no I can remember when I remember uh, my mom having a copy of an LA Times extra when Spiro Agnew resigned. It's like, oh, wow, this is a, because that was something you only saw, you know, like newsies in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you actually would see that, that they would actually stop and then there'd be a new. And uh, it was happening into my adulthood that sometimes you would find the early edition, then a later edition with a conflicting headline. Yeah, that has gone by the wayside. Having more than one newspaper has gone by the wayside. Yeah, because uh, you could be coming home from work. You've been listening to news on the radio, maybe seeing news on TV. You wanted a newspaper that was not telling you basically reruns yeah. when you came home from work. You wanted something that was updated. It's sad, but newspapers have become past tense. I mean, the news moves so fast nowadays. I even remember I used to purchase, even if I wasn't subscribed, I'd always get a Sunday paper. And it was always thick and heavy. Nowadays, a Sunday paper, I mean, with few exceptions, are very thin. There's yeah. not much to them anymore. You know, we spent a whole pandemic and we we're wondering, should we get the Sunday paper? It's like, no, we have it in the palm of our hand. <laughs> because I remember when we were still dating, that was the ritual, especially in L.A., when you could get the Sunday paper on a Saturday and then get the giant paper and split it amongst us and swap sections and uh-huh. just sit around and, and read all the sections. Now you have all of that on your phone, and it's updated. And then when I needed a newspaper to do a project around the house, I asked the neighbor, do you have a newspaper? Because I was going to paint something. The thing wasn't big enough. <laughs> you know, because I was going to lay out paper on the floor while I was painting something. And there wasn't enough paper in the paper to do the that's funny. the secondary the secondary purpose of a newspaper. Yeah, you know which is which the which, know, which the to op- wrap something in or to use as a drop cloth. Yeah, which the opening title sequence of Lou Grant brilliantly captured every week. Oh yeah, you see the tree being cut down. You seeing the paper being processed. All it opens with the little bird in the tree. Mm-hmm which I, I, I'm sure, you know, would not be appropriate today, but just a little bird in the tree, and then they shut, then they cut the tree down. Uh, and then, yeah, it ends in the bird cage. So you hear the bird chirping in the tree, and then you hear the bird in the cage chirping. Yes. So it goes to the bird. The life cycle of a newspaper captured every week on Lou Grant starring Ed Asner. Ed Asner passed away Sunday, August 29th. At the age of 91, Tony and Donna are with us. We're talking about the legacy of Ed Asner, which extended through many, many projects and and reached three generations of fans. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. 
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.